When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday night edition of the Manager Madrid Podcast. I'm your host, Kian Sabani, and I'm joined by Ewan McTier, this time virtually and not in person. Ewan has a nice backdrop. He's moved his chair and he's moved his desk and he has a different backdrop to where we usually record at his place because we're doing this virtually. And we're going to go at a bit of a quicker pace um, than usual. It's going to be very like kind of quick fire, quick hitting analysis because my dad, who is awesome, and who watched the game with me tonight is now watching my kids so that I can record this podcast. And watching my kids is, is a bit like being inside a literal tornado and trying to hold on for dear life. So either we finish this podcast before anything happens or my kids are just going to barge down my office door. Anyway, Ewan, how you doing? It's past midnight in Spain. You're wide awake, of course. How you doing? Yeah, good. It's actually not even past midnight for once. We're we're we really are You're doing right. this early. So um no, good. I just hope that the fact you watched off your dad doesn't deprive of us of his text messages to you during the game, I guess. We didn't get that this time because he could right. just tell you in person. So only yeah. you got to experience that. But um no, all good. Well, we're going to, I guess, move into match discussion. And this was a fun one. I'm curious, it's like I'm I haven't had a chance to. I don't even know if you published your post game piece yet. I'm I'm curious to know what your your thoughts were uh, on this game. Like I think you and I actually talked about this after the Clasico that mm. this is this could have been a classic banana peel where it's like you've just gone to and won a bunch of Ballon d'Or prizes plus you've uh, beaten Barcelona in the Clasico. Now you got to go away to last place. Elche, a team that's taken four points off of you in total in the past two years or so. Um, so the potential was there. What do you think? Like, were you? Su- 
I guess surprise is not the right word, but Real Madrid came out of this first minute looking on a mission. They looked good. They didn't look lethargic. They didn't look uh, mentally exhausted or anything. They just looked on point and surgical. Curious to know how you thought of Real Madrid's performance to start the game. Yeah, we did speak about this. This was a potential bananas. Uh peel kind of game, you know. Um, they just beat Barcelona, who were top of the table when they beat them. This is the team bottom of the table. Uh, like you say, all the reasons to think that maybe there's a, a a reason to drop off in level. But then, as soon as Ancelotti had his pre-match press conference, I was a bit more reassured because that was his message throughout the press conference. Apart from all the Ballon d'Or questions he was asked, he said, look, we really need to be focused about Elche because this would be an easy game to drop some points. And he made the point several times in that press conference, this game is worth three points. The classical is worth three points. You know, you cannot be slipping up, dropping points after that big win. So I kind of expected him to give the players the right mentality to go into this game. When you saw the lineup, not too many rotations. Um, you could tell that they were taking this game seriously. And Chelsea said after the game as well, didn't want to make too many rotations because uh, we did want to take this game seriously. And you saw that from the first minutes. It was just absolutely goal from minute one. Um, three offside goals, of course, in this game. It was 3-0, three goals scored, three offside was goals. Wasn't it four? Four. Mm, maybe. I think three. I lost um, track. After <laughs> yeah, we were, we were losing count. First one, of course, in the sixth minute, you know, really nice play. Some yeah. really good chances early on. Um, the first goal doesn't take that long either. So, yeah, from minute one, they were on it. Um, and, yeah, yeah, just back on the three goals thing. Um, it was the first time since VAR came in, a team in the first divisions had uh, three goals disallowed for, for VAR, which means the goal was stood and was technically given on the field of play by the linesmen, by the referees, and then taken away by VAR. There's obviously been uh, other <laughs> instances where it goes in and um, it, the flag immediately goes up. But since in, since VAR came in, no team has had three goals given and then taken away um, by VAR. So Real Madrid setting records there, but it didn't matter. Three disallowed and three scored. They um, put on a bit of an offensive masterclass when you consider the the good play behind some of those um those ones that didn't actually count yeah we can we can argue here and there like you know the lines drawn and the marginal offside it is offside like again it didn't matter much at all if at all because Real Madrid were dominant in this game i the two goals that were disallowed in the first half which more were let's say more marginal than the one that was mm. one or ones disallowed in the second half i still think it was four for some reason maybe i'm losing my mind but uh, the passing combinations on those two in the first half were really beautiful. I mean, the Alaba one, the way he moves interior pass and, and moves into the half space, gets it back from Modric and then Benzema was really beautiful. And then the first one was... Um, the first one was... Uh, Vinicius. I, the Vinicius. A little, little through yeah. ball to Vinicius and, and through for Benzema to, to finish. Yeah, both really quite different... Um, Goals, but equally nice. One one of them, just Alaba, just deciding, here, let's go for a little run, a couple of one-twos, get into the box, finish really well. The kind of thing that I don't think you would really see Ferland Mondi do, although occasionally, maybe twice a season, he does kind of do that also. Um, just decides to go and be a centre-forward for 30 seconds or so. But uh, yeah, Alaba being able to offer something more in attack, really, I think that was the one that maybe you're the most gutted for because you know Benzema's going to score his goals um, he obviously wanted one in this game he had two ruled out but Alaba um, doesn't get many goals obviously because of his position and then that was such a really nice one really well worked two one-twos 
in that with Valverde and with Benzema, but Benzema um, just offside. So, um, yeah, um, we can take a lot. And this is the thing, we, we've, we've kind of spoken about this on this podcast before. Offside goals, when it comes to analysing how the team is doing, who's playing well, what's going on, we shouldn't just discard offside goals when it comes to analysing the performance. I think this was something that we kept bringing up with Luka Jovic. Jovic didn't score many goals for Real Madrid, but he scored about five or six offside goals in that first half season he was there. And you have to remember that kind of means he's on the right sort of track. So just because it doesn't count in the scoreboard, obviously it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but there's lessons you can learn. People are starting to talk about, oh, Vinicius, he's been very quiet. Uh, Rodrigo's now got, you know, the same goals and assists as him uh, with much less minutes. Yeah, okay, but Vinicius um, by, you know, a toenail was offside for that first goal. And otherwise, we're all talking about how Vinicius is back in form. He's given the assist to Benzema. It's very fine margins, and I think, you know, obviously offside is offside. These goals don't count because they weren't goals, but we can take some um, lessons from these pieces of play, which did actually happen in, in real life, even if they don't count on a scoreboard. I agree. And on that note, you can also add Benzema to that discussion too, because mm-hmm. he scored a few offside goals now this season, and it wasn't yeah. like the type of offside where it's like, you know, the final whistle gets blown and then you're frustrated, you kick the ball in the back of the net. Like, it's like in the flow of the play, he literally thinks he's scored. He literally thinks he's onside. And what that kind of told me this season was that, okay, he's mentally, he's fine in front of goal. You know, it's not like he has a barrier of finishing the chances. And that's why, for among many other reasons, I wasn't worried about his form. And this is what I've said. Like, it's a good thing that Rams are winning these games or were winning those games earlier in the season either without him on the pitch or not scoring when he's on the pitch because it just meant that when he starts going, you can add that just an extra thing that's going to click into gear for this team, and now that's happening too. So, uh, Can we can we mention one more thing just on yeah. Benzema offsides? Because you're completely right. When he thinks he's onside, he's finishing his chances, and that counts. He's been offside quite a lot this season, and this is something I had to look at during the game. Um, I think it's four offsides from this game. One of them, I don't know if it actually counted um, or not one of the chances. I think they, they didn't flag that one. It wasn't a goal, so it didn't actually go to VAR. But I think four offsides for that game. If that's so, that puts him joint top in all of La Liga for the most offsides, having played far less than most other strikers because he was out for a month. Um, he's averaging more than one and a half offsides a game. Last season, it was just one per game. I don't know. This is something that, you know, we're small sample size start of the season, but Benzema has been offside quite a lot this season. And when you look at some of the ones today, it's just going that little bit early to make the run. And we've seen this with every single striker when they reach a certain age. Um, Luis Suarez last season just lived offside. He didn't do that the rest of his career because he had the pace to to get there. And this is something Benzema, 34 now, turning 35 in December is, you know, as clinical as I think he will always be in front of goal, if he feels he's having to make that run just that split second earlier than maybe this time last year, just because he's getting a bit older, losing that little bit of pace, that is a concern because, you know, the offsides are maybe not enough something to worry about too much. Um, but when you look at some of Benzema's offsides in particular, um, you know, he's he's been offside a lot and that can be a, a problem for aging strikers. There's been there's been definitely a lot of offsides for Benzema this season. I think we can just track it and see what materializes. Some of them have been marginal. Some of them yeah. he just hasn't been um, careful of where he is on the line. There's been quite a few offsides for everyone. I'd, I'd like to look at the numbers for everyone too. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Real Madrid in, as a whole is, you know, up there with the most in the league. And, you know, the Carvajal won in the second half was, was kind of inexcusable. There's no reason for him in that space with his bit younger speed um, to be that offside. So, yeah, something maybe just to tighten up on, I think. But also, it's not just about speed and pace and players wanting to go that little bit early. It's also, I think, just the way Real Madrid are playing right now is so fluid in attack that everybody's moving around. That doesn't just mean side to side. That also means a bit vertically. They're moving forward, moving back. It's shifting so much the attack that you are going to get some some offsides. And I guess that's maybe the other main takeaway we need to talk about from tonight is just how fluid that attack was from from start to finish. So and and that goes hand in hand with the offside discussion because those two offside goals in the first half, the mm-hmm. passing exchange was so brilliant. And I think that's something that was really impressive to me throughout this game is that there was a lot of and and this is not something you always get with Real Madrid in this particular phase of being coached under Ancelotti because he's a bit more conservative in this era playing a bit deeper line against Elche. He felt like, you know, okay, we can be a bit more daring, if you will, less conservative And what that produced basically a byproduct of that was that you got a lot of beautiful movement in the central channels. You had less predictability. You had a lot of great quick interchangeable passes, a lot of direct movement and passing great stuff in the half spaces. Every time like either Modric or Fede or Rodrigo would make that central run or Benzema would make that central run it created something for for us. And it it was just really pretty to watch that. And so, you know, they suffered a few transition defensive sequences where, you know, Elche had a chance to break, but nothing really ultimately threatening. And the way their offense was producing potent attacks through real goals, through clear-cut chances, and through offside goals, you can, it's fine. You you know, it's okay if Elche get a couple breaks here and there. Ironically and funny enough, this was a weird game in that this was actually not far away from like a from being 1-1 one, one or or 2-2 two, two. like mm. Elche with the little threat they provided they they were a little bit more aggressive in the second half and that actually produced like they had two clear-cut chances in the second half one was that Carlos Clerk header at the near post or at the far post where Lunin saves it and then there was another one by Ponsip um in the 6-yard box late in the game but all things considered, I mean, I mean, Real Madrid, I thought, were really good in this game, especially considering in my mental block is like my expectations of an away game against a team that's small after a Clasico is like the classic. You might suffer in that in a game like that. So I'm just glad we got the three points, but we also played played while doing so. And 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 Benzema again adding to his to his I don't know what the word is, but just finding his scoring form again yeah. really important no it really it really could have been a, a slip up and um yeah of course when it stays one nil you've had the two offside goals Elche start to have some chances Lunin as well has a good game maybe his best game actually which of course isn't it was yeah. saying too much but um you know you start to think well maybe this could be a one one uh, maybe um Elche do come back into it but it would have been for I think the different reasons than we might have expected beforehand we've seen this before Real Madrid drop points after a big win and it's usually because of lack of attitude lack, lack of urgency um, if they if Elche had equalised it wouldn't have been this at all it reminded me a bit more of the Shakhtar the next game at home when it could have been like 8-1 and in the end Real Madrid were kind of holding on 2-1 mm. and you feel just by having let it 
uh, not scored that that next goal. Um, Shakhtar won away from equalising. Elche were one away from equalising for most of this game. But if that does happen, I think you live with that because you know that the performance, you know that the the process is good because you just you created so many chances. You basically scored six goals. Um, the most passes this was of any La Liga game so far this season, 697. Um, again, you're playing Elche, it's a small team, but of course you're on the road and I think it's um, more than it being great to have the most passes of any game this season. It's That is a sign that to do that in the game just after the Classical shows that Ancelotti got the mentality right for the players to go and treat this game with um, the seriousness and respect uh, it deserved. The uh, the. F- Fede Valverde goal. I mean, mm. and just Fede Valverde in general. Like, it is not even just the goal. But he's basically like a video game character at this point. <laughs> yeah. The goal, the the difference between this goal and the Barcelona goal, both kind of like at the top of the box or whatever, or just outside or just inside, I don't remember. But this one was with his left foot, and he was actually being closed down quickly. So while he finds a bit of space off his mark, if you watch the play, it was... Really brilliant work from from Vinicius on the left side initially. Like if you could rewind it way back, but then there's a couple shots in between. There's a few block shots. When when the ball ultimately falls to Fede, he has he has to think so quick and act so quick. He takes one touch to set himself up with his left foot, and it's like he's getting closed down. And then I was like, wow, that's a crazy goal. But the replay was like, wow, because he hits it with the outside of his left foot and it curls away from the keeper into the side netting. And then he just like throughout the game. I mean, he's also involved in, I think it was the second or third goal. The second goal, it starts from him winning the ball before eventually that magic between Rodrigo and Benzema. Yeah. Can you talk about Fede's performance a little bit in this game? Yeah, just stick with the goal. First of all, it's when, when I first saw it, I thought there might have been a deflection um, because mm. it kind of looks like it. I think it's Rodrigo is making sure he's out of the way and it kind of looks like maybe it takes a touch off him, but then it doesn't. It's, it's almost like there's a deflection built into the shot, like a deflection-esque kind of swerve built into the shot anyway. It just, it did that on its own. So incredible from him. You know, he is so, I think, what's more impressive about Valverde these days is not just that he's scoring goals and being incredible in every single game he plays. We know he can now do it in the right wing position. He can do it in the midfield position. What I think is starting to be really impressive is that he can switch between those one game to the next game really seamlessly now. Um, you know, if you if you have a player and you, you tell them, right, basically you're going to play two positions all season, sometimes this, sometimes that, it can be hard to, to switch between those two if you're asked to play one on Sunday and then one on a Wednesday and then the other on the next Sunday. Valverde just seems to, it doesn't matter. Like, um, he doesn't need one or two games at right wing to get used to it. He doesn't need one or two in midfield to get used to it. He can just be inserted wherever, and um, and he sorted. Don't know if you can hear that. They're picking up the bins just now. <laughs> oh, is that from outside? Yeah. yeah. Those, I mean, those, sometimes they come at the most ungodly hours, too. Like, is it? it's the garbage it's guys, like right? It's like four minutes past midnight, and that's, of course, when they come. Yeah, yeah. I've had that happen to me in Spain on multiple occasions at, like, four in the morning. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm just waking up. It's like, what is that racket? Now, But now I learn, I, I get the earplugs, the foam ones where you put in your ear, and then it foams mm. up. And you, you need I, to pay attention, though, because you don't want to get stuck behind one walking down the street, because then that smell is just... <laughs> Going with you the whole way down the street, you gotta. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a pleasant odor. Um, um, 
No, Valverde. <laughs> um, just uh, right. Valverde. <laughs> um, phenomenal, and he's on course to. That was one of Ancelotti's lines from his post-match thing. Was yeah, he's on course to um, to break that ten-goal uh, <laughs> target. Ancelotti said he's already onto six goals and um, five of them in La Liga, which makes him. Um, this quite nice stat I liked from from after this game was um, Valverde is now the first um, non-striker at Real Madrid to score five goals um, across the first ten rounds of a of a of a league season. Last time it happened was was two thousand, so last century. Um, can you guess who it was? Because he was there. Whoever it was was there in the stadium tonight. The last uh, non-striker Real Madrid player to score five goals across the first ten match days of a season. League season. So I I don't know who was in the stadium tonight, but if I had to guess, it's Guti. Yeah, it was him. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was there for Dazen and uh, speaks to Valverde afterwards. And um, yeah, it's it's just incredible stuff. Which, to be fair, he he sometimes does actually kind of play as a forward. So maybe well, that's that is a bit Gu- skewed. Guti, but, you know. I think that that season in particular literally played forward because Del Bosque mm. had like no other options because there was injuries to Raúl and Morientes, and yeah. and that was just like wow, we didn't know Guti could do this. And then <laughs> and it, it, that's like, that, a bit that's, like the Valverde. Yeah, yeah. I mean that Guti season is literally an entire documentary and podcast that, that could be scraped out of that it was incredible um i did want to mention a couple things that you uh, you touched on um just on yeah on fede's positioning and in, in his multiple roles and multiple hats he can wear seamlessly basically at this point if you look at his heat map now he's basically a right winger and you think like does that what does that mean for rodrigo and like it means that like him and rodrigo literally like were in the same position throughout this game overloading the right side together and linking up together. And Fede did not play very narrow, especially like on the ball, he was basically a right winger with Rodrigo overloading that side. Mm-hmm. And um, it just se- can seamlessly switch between going down the middle and then going down the right wing when needed. Uh, he has a very good understanding of that. Also, before we forget, because you mentioned this was probably Lunin's best game. I, I think it's great that Lunin has looked more and more comfortable with each passing game mm-hmm. under this you know, run, which is, you know, makes sense. It, it makes sense when you yeah. first come into the fire, it might be hard. Uh, you eventually get more and more comfortable. Than, and, and I thought this was his best game. He had a couple of really, really good saves. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something else you mentioned. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but I'll just say this. The, this it's, it's a weird XG game. I think it's like 1.6 only for Real Madrid. Yeah, but I suppose point. that's all the, the offside goals. And yeah. It's all the offside goals. Um, so just keep that in mind because some people, I think, you have to know how to read XG properly because even the Barca game, Barca's XG was really inflated by Lewandowski mm-hmm. offside um, point-blank mix miss. Yeah. Um, so just uh, to look at the context of that, I think I'd be, expected, I'd be interested to see the field tilt, which is... I think a really good measure, but I, I don't think that's out yet. It's too soon. Um, all right. So, yeah, what else is it up for you? Given knowing the limited time we have, what did you want to? Where did you want to go next? Yeah, I mean, so we kind of spoke about the the offense was fantastic. You know, um, the midfield we've kind of touched on that a little bit. Cruz. Um, you know, too many getting arrested in this one. Cruz just you know being Cruz again, fantastic. Um, the defense was, you know, there was a few Elche chances, but I think that was also um, a little bit the the flow of the game. You know, when this was still one nil, Elche going to go for it. They started to bring on more offensive players. They were actually from the start 
Elche a lot more attacking than I, than I thought they might be the last game mm-hmm. um, against Valencia, which was the first one since uh, Jorge Almiron was was back as coach. They played a deep back five. They didn't play a single striker. Um, it was just very defensive. And this one, when you saw the lineup um, with Nico, you sort of think, okay, he can play left back. This could be another back five. Actually, he played further forward. Um, Elche weren't quite as defensive as I thought it would be. Lucas Boy started a natural uh, striker. So, and he played well. He's a, yeah. he, I swear every time we play Elche, Lucas Boye plays well against us. I mean, I think he had double figures last season. You know, he's for, for a team like Elche, you know, he's a he's a good striker. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, part of the reason he didn't play last game, he was suspended. So he was back, but you didn't know if they were going to go um, quite as bold, to call it bold, as that. And then obviously in the second half, when they're just one goal behind, when they're trailing, they're going to make more offensive substitutions and that's just natural. So I think um wouldn't be too worried about um, the fact that Elche did have, when you add them all up, um, a decent amount of chances, mm, not too many clear-cut ones when you really look at it. So I think the the defence was good and this was a way to get through a game like this while also giving some rest, some rotations, um, to basically um, uh, Chiuameni and uh, who else? Mondi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a note on um, Cruz too. Mm. He plays the single pivot in this game yeah, really yeah. single. Yeah, like not much help from Valverde, who we mentioned, who you just mentioned, was basically a winger, and Modric, who was quite far forward too. Yeah, and it's interesting that, like, you know, when we think of Cruz in that role, historically speaking, it's been mm-hmm. okay. Like, it's just because he's an amazing long-range passer and progressive passer, but you worry about the defensive side of things. I feel like this season which would be i don't know feels weird to even say that this might be his last year that he's finally added this to his game but mm. defensively i feel like he's gone to a different level this year before like he could he, he was really good at pressing but like if you ask him to track something like that would casemiro would be expected to track like forget it but that's not what he's going to do he would jog but his defense has gone to another level this season he's like consistently leading the team in tackles in certain games he's Today and against Barca, he was working so hard defensively, tracking runners, covering in for his fullbacks, like putting in really great challenges, 50-50, throwing headers around the box. I don't know what happened to him, what's gotten into him, but I love it. I like this was this is like his one weakness in his game. Like and, yeah. and now he's just been amazing defensively. I don't know if that's something that you noted or you want to touch on or but it's really no, this noticeable. was like going into the game when you saw the lineups chairman is rested okay obviously cruz is is playing there in the in the single pivot this was kind of some of those same thoughts was okay in the past this hasn't worked but actually given how he's how he's played the last few weeks not just that he's played well but the kind of way he's played that kind of thing that you're talking about that he has you know got down on the ground made some tackles you know Shown like a little bit more grit to his game, and I don't really mean that as an attitude thing. I think just <laughs> technically he's been really so much better defensively this season that going into this game, you're sort of thinking, okay, maybe actually the way he's played the last few weeks, um, maybe he can actually do this role a little bit better than he has done in in the past, and maybe it helps as well that um, he's replacing Chiuameni and not Casemiro. The role has already changed a little bit in that sense. Um, but yeah, um, this is certainly good news going forward that um, when Chiuameni isn't available, which will happen at some point, you know, um, Cruz can be there as, as someone to fill in because 
it's the same thing that happened all the last <laughs> decade almost with Casemiro. There was no replacement for him. Well, yeah, Casemiro went, Chiromeni came. There's no replacement for Chiromeni except Cruz, and that's never an ideal situation. But like you say, just the, the style, the way Cruz is playing this season, actually, he's he's more of a, a number six than, than he's ever been before. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say. Like, if you're going to play this way and put Cruz there against Elche, if you're going to control, like Real Madrid also had a really good man-to-man high press in this game at points. Counter press was good. It makes sense to put Cruz in that role. But again, like as you said, this is the interesting thing is that he was also doing a lot of the defensive work. Um, did you have any notes on many? I mean, I thought like there was, there's one thing about him that like, I don't know which chance it was, uh, but it was late in the game and I mm. forget who it was, but it may have been one of the two big chances where many just loses his man in the box and just doesn't track him and I, that that's a part of his game that just comes and goes some, for some reason he's really good at positioning but there are times where he's just really not uh, but he also had that brilliant pass the basically the the pre-assist to it goes him through ball to rodrigo asensio scores do you have any notes on too uh, many off the bench or any of the subs asensio whatever no i mean at that stage of the game it's you know um it's already basically one. It's you're kind of expecting the substitutes to come on. That thing we've spoken about, that Angelotti's spoken about so many times, they bring their energy. Um, they can break up the game, kind of expecting to see that with Real Madrid in control, getting a second goal. Surely these guys can uh, make the most of the fact that Elche are, are going to have to become more desperate. And to be fair, they kind of did. You know, the, There was obviously the, the Asensio goal late on, but another couple of, of chances for, for Real Madrid, Real Madrid too. Um not just the Asensio one, and then obviously at the other end, Elche are going to get one or two chances, but I think that's just also also kind of normal, and um, you know, you are going to be tired after what Real Madrid have done the last couple of weeks, but at least they, if they can be accused of taking a foot off the gas at all, at least it was when they're already 2-0 up, and I don't even think they, they really did too much. We're going we're gonna to wrap it, but I just wanted to end by asking you like a question. Mm. Um to get your just your final thoughts on um you haven't published your three answers three questions piece yet yeah, i wanted to yeah. i wanted to ask you if there's anything in there that would be interesting to throw in at the end of this podcast that might be just an interesting tidbit that we missed and or anything else that stood out from angelotti's post-game press conference that we didn't t- touch on yet yeah so most of the most of the interesting stuff um Kind of already said, although um, maybe just a moment for Karim Benzema, like saving a life in this game when at the end of the first half, when they stopped play an instant yeah. in the stands, and it's Benzema who who's on the ball at the moment realizes from the Elche players and and boots the ball out. So um, mm. picks I up didn't realize that's what happened. Okay, mm, yeah. So like um, just I think it's like five minutes before half time or something, and the there's whistles in the stadium. Elche have the ball. There's whistles in the stadium. Um, but basically trying to get attention of of the referee, the players to um, to send some help, and um, it happens that Benzema picks up the ball, and then he realizes from the Elche players, and it's Benzema that puts the puts the ball out. So you know, um, and, and immediately points to to Jesus Gilmanzano to um, to do well whatever um, the protocol is in that situation. So yeah, picks up a Ballon d'Or on on Monday, shows it off in training on Tuesday, uh, scores a goal, helps save a life on uh, Wednesday. Really, <laughs> who knows what they'll get up to on, on Thursday? Something incredible for sure. Um, so that, that was yeah, quite a week. Um, so <laughs> Sunday winning a classical too. So um, 
fair play to the Benzema there. And then, yeah, the post-match press conference, really short, as it always is when Real Madrid are away from home and mm. it's a late game because you can tell they want to just get back. So only a few Maybe questions. We and... should start going to the games in Elche. Maybe we could get, like, not only one question, but, like, five questions in. Well, there. Maybe I mean I mean it's the the Real Madrid um, uh, press officer that's cutting it short more than anything. <laughs> like as in they want Real Madrid wants to, want to, to head home. off more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so not too much of the Valverde uh, quotes about um, uh, reaching ten goals, so he can keep his his license. That was that was quite nice, and um, I think the other thing that stood out was his line about. Um, not wanting to make too many rotations because they knew this game could be a tricky one. So, um, yeah, those pieces, the three answers, three questions, the Antotti uh, quotes will be on the site um, probably by the time you're even listening to this. So um, check those out and plenty more stats, immediate reaction, comments, chat. Um, yeah. It's um, it's not, not quite the feel of a Champions League night, but it's uh, a Wednesday night of football and... Um, the usual, all the usual reaction that comes with that. A Wednesday night game, and as my dad put it, um, not the most exciting game to tune into, like heading into this, we were talking about it before the game started, not the most exciting, but uh, an incredibly equally important three points as you're going to get from the classical. I did, um, I did see a lot of Real Madrid fans making the joke that we should get used to Real Madrid playing on the Wednesday and Barcelona on the Thursday. Yeah, um, we got <laughs> that. That's true. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna partake in the in that joke too much yet. It's a little bit too soon for me to. to I don't want to yeah. jinx anything, but yeah, go everybody. List uh, read all the stuff on the website. We got the immediate reaction goes up at the final whistle. We got Ewan McTears three questions to answer. Sam Leverage puts up important stats from the game. Player ratings went up from Sam Sharp tonight. There's gonna be Ancelotti's post game quotes and a lot more. And just the housekeeping uh, tomorrow, Thursday, mailbag. If you want to get your questions in and access the podcast itself, patreon.com slash managinggood is where you can get that. So go and do that. Uh, Ewan, thanks, man. It was fun. Uh, appreciate your time. Take care. You too. Take care.